You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. Hey, we are really excited about this topic that we're going to bring to you today from our team because it's something we see a lot. And listen, this is going to be difficult for some of us to talk through, especially for those of you who are managers of a team that you're struggling with. Uh, Maybe you see a lot of problems on your team. Maybe you see a lot of gossip that's happening. Maybe you see kind of a lack of energy. And maybe you find yourself complaining about those employees and the things that they don't do and you wish they did, or maybe the things that they do that you wish they didn't do and all of that. And what we're here to tell you today is a difficult message. And you might want to sit down for this. It's not them. It's you. It's not them. It might be you. Are you sure? Cause I'm pretty sure it's them. Are you sure? Maybe it's also them, but it's also kind of you. <sighs> Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy this, am I? Is this another intervention? Diana, everything we do with you is an intervention. It's been Thanks. a 10 year long intervention that has been, that has with limited success. I feel very honored and sad for you. You should feel honored. I like how you, that's where your mind went first is like, you know, if you're spending 10 years on this, this is probably worth something. Yeah. yeah. We're, mm-hmm. we're saying this is good. So yeah. yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. So so the we're going to talk a little bit today about what happens when teams don't communicate and specifically not when teams don't communicate with each other, but specifically when managers don't communicate with their employees and they don't share why they're doing what they're doing, why they make decisions, those types of things. And what happens on the team that sometimes then drives the manager to call us and say, my team is doing these things. And then we can say, well, that might not just be because they're doing something wrong. It might be something else that's happening. And we're going to talk about some of those patterns. So it's going to surprise some of you. Here's the good news, though, is then you can do something about it as a manager. It's not that all of your people are terrible. It could be that you're doing something that you could do differently. And maybe you'll see a team start to shift their thinking about stuff. Uh, yeah. So, Stephanie, um, let me ask you a question because we've got Stephanie. You've already heard from Diana Royalty, our COO on our team. Stephanie is also on our team. Stephanie, let me ask you a question to kick this off. Okay. Is there any hope for Diana Royalty? I think there's, there's so much hope for Diana royalty, you know, like that's why I'm excited about this intervention. Where could this go? Sky's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's not the, I guess that's not the topic for today. I guess we're not just oh. totally focusing on that. We're trying to, yeah. we're trying to hit oh, the side. Oh, oh, well, then this is an awkward breakup. It's not me. It's you. Is that, yeah. that how this is going to go? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. okay well, cool. well, well, let's talk about, let's start off by talking about like what happens when managers don't communicate. So we talk about some different s- symptoms that come up, like maybe let's talk first about like, what do we mean by managers communicating? What are some of the best practices we see? What do we think in terms of managers communicating with employees? What do we see the best in class to do? Oh, that's, that's good. Um, because I feel like most people think they're communicating Right. And everyone thinks you're a good communicator. But the truth is, none of us are communicating as well as we think we are. And everyone communicates differently. So you have to have different modes of communication. 
And uh, you probably need to say it way more than you think you need to say it for it to like get the message out. Um, so I guess I guess I'll start there. Like the best communicators communicate in different modes and different methods. By by that I mean they're not just doing face to face. They're not just sending emails. They're not just calling. They're not just putting it in meeting notes. They're doing all of those things, um, and they're doing it really regularly and really intentionally. I think those are like big, big points there. Stephanie, what else would I miss? I, I think you covered a lot of ground with that. The The big thing that I would emphasize what you said near the end was like, they're doing it consistently and kind of like constantly. I'm going to even use those words um, similarly, but separately that like, I think leaders who are great communicators and managers who are great communicators are constantly sharing information, feedback, both positive and critical with their team. They're doing it as things come up. So they're not like hoarding information and then waiting and sending like one big email later or waiting until that one meeting that we have at the end of the quarter where everybody's going to be together to say it. So it's kind of like that constant communication, but they're also consistent with that. So that way, if there are like kind of markers on the trail of when we have set communication places. So if there is a weekly meeting that they're bringing something new to that meeting every, um, the reason they do that meeting every week um, and they're sharing um, why things are happening too, not just that it happened or it's about to happen. They don't drop bombshells on people. Um, and even if they know something they're going to share is a surprise, I think they tee that up and try to give a lot of context. I love that. And I also want to build on what you said about not hoarding information. I think so many managers get information from the people above them and then it stops there. And the really great communicators say, oh, this information was given to me from the higher ups. I'm telling you so that you know, and that information flows and trickles down really well. Yeah. I feel like we hear um, leaders and managers say often, well, I've got to protect my team. Right. And so that becomes one of the, we're going to call it an excuse because that's what it is. Dear friends, um, that's kind of their excuse for not always sharing information with people because we're trying to like, quote unquote, protect the team. We don't, they don't need to hear everything that's coming from the top. Sometimes I hear hard things and I shield you from them team. And the reality is you're not really helping your team when you do that, because I think we're going to get into this here in a second, but like, they're probably going to find it out another way. Cause very likely this wasn't like a confidential conversation between you and the CEO or the big boss, you know, where that information's really not going to get out unless you share it. I think information gets shared in a lot of different ways. And so if you aren't getting ahead of it and you're not being, um, on top of that with your team and sharing it, then it feels like you're hiding something. And then it no longer feels like you're protecting me. It feels like maybe you're hurting me or you're holding me back in some way. Yeah. I, I like a lot of that context. And I like how we started off by saying, if a lot of you probably think you're a good communicator or you communicate often, you just don't think your people are listening to you. And if you are communicating to your team, but they say it's not getting to them, it is something you're doing. And it might not be that you're not saying it. It might be what you're saying or how you're saying it, or it might be that you're not including the why, like you're holding information back from the team. You know, I, I used the analogy today in a session with, with a client and we talked about, um, for example, if you're asking for things uh, at work, which is common, like employees will come and say, I need this, I need X. 
Um, I, I use the analogy of saying like when my kids were little, if I went to the store and my son asked, you know, he's five years old and he asked, Hey, can I have that truck, that toy truck? I'm going to, I can say yes or no, but that's not really communicating to him. That's giving him the answer to the question at the end, but he doesn't know why he gets that truck or why he doesn't get that truck. And as a five-year-old, it's probably appropriate, you know, and as a five-year-old, what, what do parents say when a little kid says, well, why can't I have that truck? Because I told you so. Because I said so. It's because I said so management, right? I told you, you can't have that truck because I said you can't have that truck. What that does is that encourages the kid the next time that we go to the store and he sees a truck, he's going to ask for the truck again, because someday you are going to get in the truck and he may not see the difference between why you gave it to him one time, but you didn't the other time. So now I'm just going to have to always ask for it and always, always keep going, keep coming back to you. We've seen a lot of teams or I've seen a lot of teams where the employees are constantly asking for things and the manager is frustrated that they're constantly asking for things and they keep saying no, but sometimes they say yes. And the employees keep coming back and asking for things and they're frustrated. Why do you keep asking for things? You know, why do you say yes or why do you say no? And it's not because I'm not sharing the why. I'm not giving you enough information to know whether we can afford that thing or not, or whether that's going to help us. Or I'm not asking enough questions even to know why that thing is, how that thing is going to help us because I haven't communicated to you what helping us means. Uh, so yeah, so when this communication doesn't happen from management, so if the, if the communication is too vague or it's not in context is another thing that I think of a lot. If I tell you, Hey, um, my house Saturday night, we're going to have drinks and a birthday cake. Like that's interesting. That's compelling, but I haven't told you what's happening. You, you can extrapolate and say it's a birthday party. You don't know whose birthday party it is. You don't know if you're supposed to show up and bring drinks or not or anything. I told you the thing that I needed to tell you, but I didn't give you enough information. I think it's another example of bad communication. But when the communication's not good, like what happens to the team? What what symptoms do we see that employer and managers get frustrated with in terms of their employees? Well, first, I like to say I don't know what time to show up to your house on Saturday because I would like to eat the cake. Thanks. Um, Second, yes, I also would like <laughs> drinks and cake. Yes, thank you. I'm. I will be there. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, Don. When you were saying that, like a a story came to mind that I heard from someone once, where um, they started this story by telling me, "Well, my boss plays favorites and has favorites, and I'm not one of them." I said, oh, wow. Okay. How do you know that? Like, that's wild. Right. And they proceeded to tell me a story about how whenever they would go to ask their boss to hire someone new for their area, they almost, they said always, which we know always is never true. But they said that he always tells me no. But then I see this other person go to him and ask to hire someone new for their department. And they always get told yes. And then they have lunch together on a regular basis. So that he's playing favorites and that's what's happening. And so I think like, that's something that again, kind of starting to take us into that gossip territory. But I think that I then, you know, because we talked to people that I was like, well, I want to talk to your boss. That's so interesting. And then hearing from the boss's story, he had a really logical explanation as to why he was allowing hiring in one division of the business and not the other. And it had nothing to do with who he had lunch with on a regular basis, but because he wasn't sharing the why with people, you know, not just the person who was asking, getting no, but then he also wasn't sharing the why for someone who was getting yes. So they didn't understand that 
um, in this situation, there was a finite timeline to those yeses that was not always going to be yes. And so then we were noticing this person's not quite preparing correctly for what's coming down the pipe for their department. Um, so he wasn't sharing that. And so all of a sudden the story is there's favorites here. And if you buddy up to the boss and if you'll go out to lunch with them, or I think we hear about the golf course or whatever, if you'll do the social stuff, if you'll be nice and butter up the boss, then you'll get what you want because they play favorites. I like that because it sounds like the little kids again. It's almost like when the lack of communication or the lack of why is shared, then employees go back to kid mode. Because what do you hear? If, like if you have siblings, oh, you always like them best because you bought them the fire truck this time and you didn't buy me the fire truck last time. And I don't know why, you know, it's because you don't know. Little kids don't know why you did that because parents don't feel the need to justify that to their kids. And I don't know, maybe parents should tell their kids a little bit more than what they tell them saying, well, let me explain to you why we're not doing this. But I mean, I know sometimes kids, you just have to say no. But uh, yeah, I like that. You mentioned the gossip thing you know one of the things that one of the things that led up to our conversation here is we were talking to a team that talked about how they have had a lot of gossip on their team in the past and one of their people said something very interesting they said the reason that we have gossiped in the past is because that's how we got all the information or a lot of the information that we got we would get little bits and pieces of a story because the manager would never tell us the whole story and then oftentimes we could piece it together and, and then we would learn it. It's almost a defense mechanism for people. Now, when you talk to the manager of that department, they hated the gossip thing. They're like, oh, they're constantly gossiping and they're often wrong about stuff. But then the employees pointed out that, yeah, but we were often right about stuff too. Like in some of the stuff were things like we worked with a, a, um, a company that was launching a new initiative and the new initiative was going to be very complex and difficult to launch. And some employees got little wins, little bits and pieces that they might be launching this and they put together that they were launching it and they prepared for it. And then when they actually launched it, the employees were ready and it was a really good launch. And what's funny about that is management did nothing to help that. They just happened to give little bits and pieces and the employees used the rumor mill to actually perform better because that was how they pulled the information together. Now, the problem is it can be wrong. So, I mean... It, how often do we see that? Is that like a root cause of rumors? Is that, are rumors always bad? Like what's our interpretation of that? I kind of feel like if they're not, if people don't get information, they're going to fill in the blanks. And so it's just sort of, it's just what our brains do. We can't help it. If you're going to tell me part of a story, I'm going to fill in the rest of the story with my own narrative. And I think humans naturally do that. And so, yeah, it's, it's, not because I want to lie or make things up. It's because my brain can't help but fill in the holes. And I think that's kind of what's happening with the rumors and the gossip. They're filling in the holes. They're saying, okay, this thing didn't make sense, but it does make sense if this happened. And it totally makes sense if this also happened. So I'm just going to say that those happened so that this thing makes sense. So what are some of the most common narratives that employees come up with when they are lacking information? Like Stephanie, I like what you came up with one already of saying, you know, you like that person better than you like me. Um, what are some of the others? I hate to say it, but I feel like it's generally negative, right? It's generally a negative narrative. I don't know most employees that give employers or managers the benefit of the doubt, right? If you're not telling them they're going to go worst case scenario. So like the company is sinking, they're doing layoffs here soon. Uh, we don't have enough money to survive. Um, it just like, really negative things. I'm getting fired. They hate me. Just your brain goes negative. 
Yeah. Like we're not going to make payroll. So that's what this meeting is about. I mean, like I've heard that with like people we've worked with before that one time we were having just a regular old meeting with a client. We're on site visiting with their whole team. We were actually going to do some really fun, like communications workshop. And about an hour before the meeting, somebody comes in and was like, Hey, I just need you to know that the rumor is that you're here to do layoffs. And I said, wow, because that's not number one, not true at all. Number two, like not what we do as a company. I'm actually here to really lead a fun workshop for everyone, but that's cool. Cause now we get to talk about that before uh, we do communication styles. So yeah, I agree with Diana. Like it's, it, it goes really negative really fast because I think our brains are trying to process through how do I like prepare myself for what might happen? How do I avoid as much pain? as possible. And if I'm going to get ripped a new one, like I want to steal myself for it. I like that. So my company is going to crash. You are going to, you're going to fire me. You're going to lay me off. You're laying off other people. Um, and sometimes it's, it's amazing how those, that information spins off of something pretty innocuous or seemingly innocuous. Um, we talked about, like I was talking to a CEO uh, recently who was sharing with me that they were sharing financials with their team and they were talking about how successful they were. But in one part of the company that has not been very successful, they are talking about potentially even like shrinking the business and not hiring people. They're not getting resources. So those two pieces of information came together. And so the people in that department are going, wait a minute, we are, you said we're wildly successful. And at the same time, you're going to give us less stuff. Like, I don't understand why that is. Why is that the way that that is? That doesn't make sense. That's not fair to me. Now, the reason why is because that group is struggling. So they're they're looking at it. They're thinking about it holistically from a business perspective. It's it's that that is on that area is on an acceleration. So we're going to invest money there. That area is on a decline. So we're going to invest less money there. That's pretty common. But I think the financial piece, would you all agree? I think the financial piece is one of the key drivers of misunderstanding. Your employees don't know why you make profit. No. Yeah. They, they do not. And I think just like organizational finances are just so broadly misunderstood and, you know, we won't dive deep into this, but just like kind of a lack of financial education in our country that so many people have not received a great financial education. It's really easy to go down the wrong path in that space. And I mean, most employers aren't super transparent about the finances either, right? So employees are getting just little bits and pieces here or there. And I think that's where it starts becoming gossip and rumors because we play on one little piece of information and then somebody will go, oh, well, I know what that really means. And then we go off on this trail that could be really different from what the situation actually is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene in the office where they're talking about doing it like a plant's going to be shut down or the company is going under or whatever. And the company actually gets bought, but the employees are all standing around the computer waiting for the wall street journal to tell them this information. They're waiting for the wall street journal. And then they, it's behind a paywall. It's kind of funny. They pay for the article and then, <laughs> then they start, they even take information from the article and start saying like, well, this could be good or bad. This could be good or bad. This could mean this. It's They still are trying to figure out what it all means. And it's actively happening to them. And that's a, I think that's just indicative of what humans do. We're trying to find what's going on and we're going to make up whatever information we can't get our, on our own. Well, I think it's kind of a defense mechanism. 
right? It's totally. like if something's happening, like I've been on, I fly quite a bit and every once in a while, something will happen on the airplane that's a little unusual and the passengers will pay attention to it. Like we were on one flight and we suddenly hit like semi-violent turbulence for about one second and the plane went right back to completely smooth, which is a little unusual. It's like very smooth, suddenly a violent shake and then very smooth again. And as soon as that happened, you know, the, the phone rang for the flight attendants, you know, from the pilots back. And if you fly enough, you know, they're calling back there. And the, the both flight attendants were alarmed. Like you could tell they were a little bit like, what was that? That was weird. And one goes to the phone and they're talking like this. And what you notice is all the passengers are leaning in, like, especially the, the experienced flyers. They're watching like, I'm going to watch your reaction to this. I want to see what's going to happen. And you're just you're you're straining for information. Like you're just straining to get information because you want to be ready. I think that's what we're talking about. Whenever employees are starved for information or anybody inside of a company, they're straining to hear information. Then you start noticing every little bump, every little reaction, every little thing that happens. You know, they might have just been calling and saying, we had an unexpected patch and I just spilled my coffee and I need more coffee. You know, that's what they might have been saying. Uh, yeah, nothing happened. The plane didn't go down or anything. So everything was cool. Well, it's funny that you even said that because I'm like, one of the pilots spilled coffee on something like I, you immediately start making these stories, right. Of like one of the pilots bumped something or they spilled coffee and that's why it happened this way. And, you know, and I can explain this because I understand everything about flights, you know, and piloting and how airplanes and turbulence work. Duh. You know, like I can figure this out. So. Yeah. So you could have a meeting where you could say, Hey, we're going to go into budget season, everyone. So just a reminder, we're going into budget season. And you just say that as a manager without any input. And without people knowing exactly what the budget is or how that's put together, what stories could people fill in from that? Instant fear. Instant fear. Why are you doing budgets? Are there going to be cuts to the budgets? Because people, when you say budget, it automatically means we're tight on money and we have to figure out how to like budget it in. They think about their own personal finances. Like, how do I make a budget to make sure that I spend what I have. Um, and so they automatically think of like, what are we doing to, to save the company? We're doing budget season when actually budget season is probably pretty common in, in every company <laughs> that happens all the time. You just might not hear about it. Yeah. It's a healthy process. And actually it's a process that we use to try to support a strong culture. If you do it the right way and you can't just be, you know, Stephanie you talked about transparency I think of transparency in terms of financials is kind of a funny thing. It's like, if you've never played golf before, like our team talked about this actually last, was it last year? Last year, do we all go to play golf? Like we talked about what do we want to do as a team activity? And we have been talking a lot about golf and some of our team plays golf quite a bit. And some of our team doesn't play golf at all. And we said, well, we want to go onto a golf course and play golf. Well, it's not like you just allow somebody onto a golf course and suddenly you're playing golf. It's the same thing on financials. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to be transparent on the financials and that's going to fix everything. You have to teach people the financials. You have to not just be transparent about it. You have to educate. You can't just start opening up the book in terms of how you make decisions as a company, as a manager, and start telling your employees like little decisions that you're making. You have to, you have to educate along the way. You have to share a lot of information so that people understand. Uh, I guess my question is this, is why should a lot of managers I know are, would say it's not their job. They don't need to know all that stuff. I'm, I'm My job is to know that stuff. They don't need to know that stuff. I don't need to tell them that. You know, what's what's our response to that? Well, maybe they don't. Like, maybe that's not their actual job, right? But 
if we use the phrase like knowledge is power, why would we not give everyone more power? Why would we not make everyone more knowledgeable? I just, the, the hoarding of information is something that I think insecure managers do and insecure leaders do. And I think the best leaders share that power, share that knowledge, share that information, teach, grow, all of those good things. And also I think it leads to more alignment, right? Like if the if everybody in the company knows what's going on and knows what's happening, they're much more likely to be aligned and understand what's going on and be more engaged and be more willing to do things, right? Like if everybody knows what's happening and everyone is on the same page, then you're all going the same direction and it makes work so much easier. Yes. I love that you said that, Diana, that like hoarding knowledge and not sharing knowledge doesn't help anyone. And I think there's this big myth in management in particular, that it is my role as the manager to know more than the people who work and report up to me. Like it's actually a part of my job and I'm not a good manager if I don't know more than people. And like, we've done a lot of management coaching and seminars and we hear this like somewhat frequently that like, I have to know more than everyone on my team. And that's how I'm an effective manager. And so then I think when people start feeling insecure in their management, they do start hoarding more information, but I'm with you, Dan, of like, okay, let's say maybe it's not exactly that person's job, but they're curious and they're asking a lot of questions about it. What if you answered them? And then what if they did their job way like even better? What if they showed you a skill set that you didn't know that they had once you gave them that information and actually showed them how to use it and did those things? Like you, the ripple effect of that, I think, could be overwhelmingly positive, right? And so I think, yeah, managers need to share just more information with people and you don't have to know more than everyone on your team. I think we'd actually say some of the most effective leaders have a people that are smarter than them on their team. They have people who are better at them than lots of different skill sets. I mean, the reality is you can't be great at everything, right? We all have our strengths and our areas of talents that we can lean into. And so does everyone on your team. So what if you could find ways to utilize other people's strengths better, but you're not right now because you've boxed them in by limiting them with the amount of knowledge that they have in your company. Yeah. If you're trying to build trust amongst your team, one of the ways is to make sure that everybody understands your logic. Um, and there's already things as a manager that you can't talk about. Like we're not talking about total transparency and you're bringing everybody in and saying, here's all the th decisions I make in a day. And let me show you all of that stuff. All we're doing is showing, trying to share the why that impacts your employees as much as you can. You can't do it on a lot of personnel issues. Like we, we've talked about that and it's, a, that's a challenge. And that does have a negative impact on the team. When somebody on your team suddenly gets let go and you can't tell everybody why. And the person that suddenly let go was probably going to talk like crazy and they're going to share stuff with the other employees and they're going to tell their side of the story. And you can't tell your side of the story. Like there's already things like that that exist because of laws and regulations and things like that, 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 that are not good communication practices that you can't share. So why not share the things you can, like, why not be able to share, Hey, let's, let's be a little bit transparent on the financials and then let's explain why we're doing the things that we're doing. Uh, we work with an organization and they're they're making some cuts this year and it's a real challenge, but they're still profitable. And they were sharing their financials. So they're like, we're being transparent with the group, but what they're telling, it's, it's another message. They were telling everybody, hey, we're going to be profitable at the end of this year and we're going to be making some cuts. It's like another example. The other one that I shared, 
and the team, I asked the team, I was in the room and I asked the team, I said, does anybody know other than the CEO and the CFO, why you would be making money and still be talking about making cuts? And no one had an answer for that. And about three people in the room went like, I was actually sitting here thinking that exact same thing. I'm thinking like, you need me to make cuts, but the company at the end of the day is going to be profitable. So why is it going to be profitable? And what does that profit do and all that stuff? So when then, then I said, well, let's, let's, let's explain it. And then when the CEO explained that we have to make a profit in the company to save enough money to pay for things that we don't think we're going to have to buy this year, but we're going to have to buy in a year from now because we're going to need new equipment or new things. Then suddenly it was like, oh, that makes total sense. You're managing the company well. Like if we never make a profit, if we always zero that out every year, when something unexpected hits you, you have nothing left over to be able to make that. So once they explain that, suddenly the team's thinking differently. Like you're advancing the team's ability to not just not have rumors or not to talk behind the scenes, but also to be future managers and leaders in your company. So, all right. I think it's a good discussion. If you're looking at your team and you're saying, I'm really frustrated with the way that they're thinking about this and looking at things, and you're really talking about your whole team and something that's culturally happened, it could be something you're doing wrong. Like when we look at that as consultants, you tell me your entire team is doing something wrong. And I'm going to say something, the manager is doing something wrong. If they're all, oh, they're really big into gossip or they, the rumor mill is really, really strong or they jump to these weird conclusions and then they go off to this. To me, it's going back and saying communication might be an opportunity. Um, what are your takeaways from this conversation? What's what's your advice for the listener or your takeaways from the conversation? Uh, I'm going to go to the employees, right? We've talked a lot about like if your manager isn't communicating. If you feel that, if you feel like your department is gossipy and you don't have all the information... I encourage you to start asking more questions and you don't have to do that in a public forum. You could go and say, Hey boss, I want a one-on-one just so I can learn and understand. But I would ask the questions so that you can find the alignment so that you can find the reasoning and the logic and feel better about doing what you're doing every day. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Stephanie. Yeah. I think um, my takeaway is going to be for like the leaders and the managers of like, similar to what Don said, if you're finding yourself frustrated by people on your team, like sit down and really take a moment and think like, did I actually clearly communicate like what I wanted from them, what I needed, what I was expecting here? I think a lot of times these miscommunications happen because there are uncommunicated expectations across the board for the team. People don't really then know what they're supposed to do. They feel like you've maybe given them conflicting information. And I think challenge yourself, like, did I say it more than once? So like, if your easy answer, you're like, no, I'm perfect. I'm great. Of course I communicated it correctly. Stephanie, all my people suck. Like, okay, well, how many times did you communicate it? And if the answer is one time, then we're going to challenge you to do that a couple more times. I mean, there's a lot of research on how many times people really need to hear something before they fully absorb the information. And it's a higher number than one. You know, well, <laughs> it's a higher number than one. It's a higher number than three. It's, I think it's, and Don can cry. I think it's like seven or eight times someone needs to hear something. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting a nod. So just like challenge yourself with that of like, communicate more consistently. You're going to feel like you're repeating yourself some days or you're answering the same question a while. But again, 
challenge yourself. If you keep getting asked the same question, it's probably because you've not really communicated an answer that everyone knows what to do with. And I like your point in there. That's kind of a sub point that we didn't talk a lot about is that how can you tell if you're effectively communicating with your team? It's when your team understands what you're trying to say. So you can check for understanding. That's the, that's the thing. Sometimes we think of this as a one-way communication. Like I have to post a billboard out there and I'm not sure how people are going to read it. It's like, no, no, no. On your team, you can ask people, do you understand what I just said? Can you describe to me our budget process? Can you describe to me why we're making this decision? Can you tell me like these things? And you can check for understanding to see where you're at on that. And if your team is telling you they're not understanding it, then you have to try something different. Like come back around to it, either say it in a different way, put it into context, um, all those things. Make sure that you're, you know, ask them, you know, have them ask you questions is one way to do that. Like, like you pull it from me. There's lots of ways to do that. But the, the idea here is as a manager, you should work towards being transparent. And then I like what Diana said too. And as an employee, you should also work towards, you know, ask questions to try to get transparency. If you have those questions, go ask. Uh, a lot of times those questions that are asked, because the rumor mill on the other side of that is I've also heard like rumors. Some rumors are based in truth. Most rumors are based in some form of a little bit of truth. And then some rumors get really crazy out there. And sometimes we're like employees, just like ask the question. If you think you've been, you know, if you think that you just hired a polar bear to go work in your office, like go to your manager and say, did we hire a polar bear to work in our office? That seems like a bad idea. Uh, so I don't know where I came up with that example. And we hire a polar bear to work in our office because that would be a wrap. Yeah. Yes. I did know that. Yeah. And he could bring us like Coca-Cola and candy canes and it'd be really festive yeah. and fun for the holidays. Or maybe I Matt could just dress up as a polar bear. That might be cheaper. I like I this idea too. Wait till he hears that he's going to love it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So, oh so I know Rianne's going to be editing this podcast later so she can remind us to play this part for Matt and let him know that we want him to dress up as a polar bear next time yeah. he comes to the office. Yeah, for sure. Also, yeah. I'm a little disturbed that I also too thought of Coca-Cola when you said polar bear. And then I was thinking, man, branding still works. Holy so, cow. Man. Strong branding. Those, all those 90, 90s commercials. We'll never forget them. So if we can associate Coca-Cola with a polar bear amongst a large population of people, you as a business owner or manager can certainly try to get some key concepts across to your team that you see every single day. So that tells you something is learn something from the polar bear and Coca-Cola. But until then, until then, go out there and communicate more with your team. Like, hey, trust your people. They're they're good. They're smart and capable and they want to do really good things. And, and, and for the people out there, show them how smart and capable you are and do right by the team with the information that you do receive. So thanks for joining us on this episode of the People Centric Podcast. Tell your friends about us. Hey, keep sending it out to folks. Send, other, send it to other folks and then send us topics because we love to hear from you. And uh, we love to share these stories. The stories that we share, we get this question sometimes. The stories that we share come from real life experiences that we have as consultants. We are not like professional podcast people. It's not what we do every day. What we do every day is we work with teams to help them to become more empowered and aligned. And we work with teams all over the country. And so we love to bring that to you as a resource. So thanks for listening to us and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you.
We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.